We've got the insider perspective on the Kevin Durant to the Celtics rumors, plus real or fake, the Detroit Pistons teal jerseys are awesome. And what should Colin Sexton do in his contract negotiations with the Cleveland Cavaliers? It's the Wednesday episode of Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your usual co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales, at John underscore Corrales on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Do they not let you, you get locked in at the arena covering the finals and you've just never left? Yeah, yeah. I fell asleep under the the scorer's table over here. It was really late. And I just kind of like nodded off. And because they ended, you know, it ended so poorly for the Celtics, no one's come back. So I've just, I'm here. Uh, I've been getting by on, you know, discarded peanuts and stale Coors Lights. You're doing a little what Kanye West did, right? Living at the Falcons, Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. Yeah, you know, you, you're writing a masterpiece here. It's called immersive podcasting. <laughs> I, I love it. That's great. Um I had another joke that I completely like went out the window on what I was going to say. So it's going to hit me. Can you explain to the people that are not watching on YouTube that what I have is I'm a green good. screen uh, with a, I, I took this, I love this picture. I took this picture from inside the garden during my favorite time when everything is gone, it's just a big empty building. So what I'm doing is building a new studio. I'm creating a new podcasting studio. So in the meantime, I am uh, green screening my way so I can put anything I want back there. It's uh, I liked when you were recording during the finals and you would do like the hits from the arena and it looked good. And I remember at one point it looked so good that it actually looked fake and looked like it was a green screen. And then the lights literally got turned off behind you. You were there so late, I think, that the lights like shut off and you kind of like jumped and looked around. It was like, oh, he's actually there. Like that's not fake. <laughs> That was I. I love, I love doing that, man. Just carrying my my stuff around. Um, it looks like it's it's very jerry rigged, but uh, but yeah, it, I can see because now, like it it, if someone was at the corner, you know, in in one of the corners of the garden with a light on them, it would kind of look like this. And the green screen yeah. effect is actually, it's it's working pretty well. So yeah, I can see why that would would look, yeah. Yeah, no, look, we, we come to you live from uh, from the location here, and that's why you should be making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day, Monday through Friday, covering the league on location in, in arenas or in front of green screens, whatever it might be. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend about the show, and of course, leave a five-star review with a comment, and comment down below on YouTube. So this is actually fitting, though, you being you know the Boston guy. It's a Wednesday here. We got some news the other day about Kevin Durant to the Celtics. They talked about it, you know, all over the place the past couple of days. But you've got the insider perspective on this, right? And to me, this leak very clearly came from, like, the Nets side of things or maybe even Kevin Durant's side of things. This doesn't seem like it was a leak that Boston did. So I was really curious to get your perspective on this as a guy that's got the connections to the team, talks to the team, is around the team. Would you just like what when you saw that tweet come from Woj and then Shams a little bit, kind of what you know, what was your initial reaction to everything? 
my initial reaction was that the Brooklyn Nets are trying to uh, <laughs> negotiate through the uh, through you know using the Celtics. They're using the Celtics as the you know the trying to make somebody else jealous. Like if I'm at the dance and I'm I want to dance with somebody else, maybe I talk to you know this person and be like, hey, you know maybe maybe the girl I'm looking at really you say, oh, wait, if if he's got some other options, then now I want to dance. Now I have to dance with him. Um, I don't. Is think- that ever worked out in like anything ever? Um, like just anywhere in life. Does that work? I mean, I see it in sitcoms enough that maybe the concept is, uh, plausible enough, but I've never, I've never, I've never had it (laughs) work. Um, I mean, for all I know, I've been used, but I don't think being associated with me makes anybody jealous. So I don't think it's effective. Uh, but, and especially when everybody knows that it's coming from Brooklyn, there's just no everybody gets what's happening. So if we all recognize it, then that makes it a pretty bad bluff. The way I've been saying it is like, it, it's like a Texas Hold'em where they need to believe that he's got a Jalen Brown and a Marcus Smart in the two cards that are face down and that they need to bet against what they think he has. And I, I, I'm pretty sure it didn't come from the Celtics. Uh, and, and, and one point I've been making is that the Celtics have had plenty of opportunity, plenty of time. If you wanted to trade Jalen Brown, there's nothing to wait for. You know, you, mm-hmm. you had tradable options. You had a $17 million traded player exception that if you wanted to trade for Kevin Durant, you could have made the trade. You could have traded Jalen Brown and you could have, you know, negotiated and maybe it cost you Marcus Smart and maybe it cost you a third rotation player. And you could have used that 17 million to replace one of those guys. They let that expire. They use their tradable assets to get Malcolm Brogdon. They use their TPE to get, um, I mean, I'm sorry, they use their MLE to get Danilo Gallinari. They very clearly operated like a team building around Tatum and Brown. It doesn't make any sense in August when other tools to build out the rest of your team to make that one run this coming season when you let all of those things go, you don't go into August and say, you know what? We are going to, we are going to go for KD and now not give yourself every available tool to say, we are going for it now because if the Celtics trade for Kevin Durant, they are going for it right now, this season. And, and I, I just, I just don't see it. It just it smacks of Sean Marks trying to talk to your team to get Brandon Ingram, <laughs> Could and, be. you know, to, and, and to get David Griffin and to get, you know, Masai Ujiri to be like, we know this is a ploy, but we can't risk it. So I don't, I don't think New Orleans really wants to include Brandon Ingram in a deal at all for Kevin Durant. And as much as I love Kevin Durant and Brandon Ingram, I like I, you and I have talked about this the past couple of like, it's, it's actually a month now about maybe over that, right? Where we've discussed this of like, I think Kevin Durant should get a really big haul and you don't think so because of the age and things like that. And it just seems like the market's like not there at all for him whatsoever, which is kind of weird to a certain degree. But you, so you don't even think at all that they offered the original deal, which was what um, white and Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant and a first round pick, let's say like, if it's just that, you you interested or do you think they even had that or is this just a completely made up conversation you think so so now this comes into I, I don't know what the Celtics are willing to do because the Celtics are not talking like I've tried to talk to people in the organization and they're like nope 
no nothing, no background, no nothing, not even like trying to like say, well, wink, wink. I don't know nothing, none of that stuff. So I, I think we're in the murky half truth lies of omission portion of these negotiations in the leaks where did Brad Stevens actually offer here's, here's oh, you get into the offer. like word technicalities here right I think I think what they're going to be like is hey you know if if we were to do this uh, you know we could we could probably do this and you know we probably do you know Derek White and like it could be it could be spun I think this can be spun as an offer that we reject. And I think the point that Matt Moore made on yesterday's show was one of the best ones. The Brooklyn Nets put out there an offer that they refused. They put out there that, hey, we had Jalen Brown and Derek White in to pick, and we said no. So everybody else... You got to know that we are we want more than that. And I think that's the extent of Boston's involvement here. I really think that's the extent of it. And, you know, it, but Brad Stevens is definitely going to be on the phone this week with Sean Mark. For sure, because he's going to say, hey, you know, you might need a third team. We can be a third team. Yeah. We can play that. But, and I'm sure Boston is very willing to be part of that. So, Ongoing discussions can certainly be happening, but I just don't believe that that an actual there's actual traction for a Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant deal. No, that's that's interesting because, I, you know, it, it makes sense to a certain degree if you're not just gutting that whole team, I think. And as you said, right, like they are really going for it if that's the case. But it definitely seemed like they were trying to negotiate through the media. And that, like, I just don't understand how that's a thing that still happens and people do it, but it definitely does. And I don't know if it actually works. Funny story, going back to, what, 2018, 2019, when the Pelicans were trading Anthony Davis and there was the rumored, and you and I had talked about this a ton, of that the Celtics were going to make a run at him, maybe go after uh, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum in there, and they weren't going to include those guys in deals, different things like that. What was funny was I got a call from a Celtics guy that was fairly high up in the organization and was like, of course we would include Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in a deal for Anthony Davis. Are you kidding me? Basically being like, put that on the show. And it was like, because they couldn't trade for him because of the Kyrie thing, the, the designated rookie extension and all of that stuff still rearing its head again. And then, of course, they never ended up making an offer with either of those two guys, really, in a thing. It's always funny how these trades and negotiations and the stuff that gets put out there to try and influence other people to do things, even though that wasn't going to be the case for the actual team. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get the – when it's that obvious, why do it? But then again, it, it's better than doing nothing. If Sean Marks is sitting there and being like, "Boy, my phone, my phone's not ringing, and it should," um, then <laughs> it's definitely not ringing. Then you start right now. Now you start like, "Hey, if you got to throw a bomb Boston's way, so be it. You got it. That's what you got to do." Uh, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure Brad Stevens has a little bit of fence mending to do with Jalen, but um, and he can he can blow it off. But Sean Marks very obviously is like this. This tells me that Sean Marks as much as he might say and the Brooklyn Nets might say, we're willing to go into the season with this and and they can, but they don't want to. I think this just shows, 
we'd rather throw this very obvious ploy out there than say, well, we're just going to sit back and play, you know, play coy and be done, you know, be, be quiet and, and let this linger. So I think they want this done as soon as possible. Yeah, that that's I agree with that. I think that makes sense. They're they're feeling a little desperate and don't want to kind of deal with this whole situation anymore. So there you go. The the Celtics insider perspective on the rumors around Kevin Durant and the Boston Celtics. So coming up, we're gonna we're gonna put on our fashion hats and and take a look at the Detroit Pistons teal jerseys here. I threw it on the color in the background here. But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. So find reviews and news of every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL is right around the corner. The NBA is going to be there soon enough. NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. So Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They got you covered pretty much on everything. So head to Bet Online today. You can also use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today over at betonline.net. Bet Online where the game starts. And thank you for making Lockdown NBA your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday breaking down everything you want to know about the association. Subscribe, follow us on YouTube as well. And of course, leave a five-star review with a comment wherever you get your podcast. You can do it on Spotify now and comment down below on YouTube. And I got a question for all of our listeners and viewers here. Do you like the Detroit Pistons teal jerseys? John, We're gonna let's do some fashion reviews and maybe show off how old one of us is here. Uh, <laughs> real or fake, which we do every Wednesday, the Detroit Pistons brought back their teal jerseys with a horse on it. Mid-90s throwback here. Real or fake? These are awesome. Fake. 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 They suck. They are horrible. They are ugly. They are ugly. Why do people not see how ugly all of these 90s uniforms were? The 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 uh, Raptors, Barney the dinosaur, that was ugly. Uh all of these whatever the the, the league was trying to do back then, it was a big fashion don't. And I'm not about saying like it has to be simple or anything like that, but the teal with the horse on it like, no, no, that is just no good. I'm sorry. I know people are going to be nostalgics because mid nineties that now puts like the 30 year olds are, are like squarely in this, uh, the, the, the retro phase and people are like, Oh, this is when I loved the Pistons, man. This was great. Oh, I can't wait to wear these again. I love these. No, they're ugly. You're just nostalgic. But that's what makes them awesome. And it's totally, it, we usually agree on real or fake. And I think we're going to strongly disagree on this one, which is great. Good segment by us. These things are awesome. They're the perfect mid nineties throwback, as you just said, right? Like this is the, the market that the NBA partially wants to really cater to, right? Like 30 to 40, somewhere in that range where this is like so nostalgic to them and youth, they couldn't buy this stuff when they were kids. And now, Hey, you've got some disposable income. You don't think everyone who's like my age, I'm 36 is not going to buy. Who's a Pistons fan. Isn't going to buy one of these because I almost want to buy one of these. It's I, I get what you're saying that it's kind of goofy looking, right? Like what, what they, they have a horse cause of horsepower and cars and the pistons thing there kind of turns into like the mufflers, the exhaust and flames coming out. 
I don't know, man. I kind of dig it. And those colors, the teal, you know, contrasting with the orange and yeah, orange and like a fire red. Like, yeah, that's what is kind of like, I think, fashionable now. I don't really know. I'm kind of somewhat basic, but like, I think you want those like contrasting colors to make them pop and everything like that. Like, this is perfect. They don't need to wear these for a very long time, but to like wear them for a season or two, I think that's just the right way. They're kind of kitschy. They're kind of fun. I don't love what the Jazz and the Cavs have done this year with like the, like virtual, like the starving uniforms, it seems like, where there's no like trim and things on them like that. Like, like, yeah, have some fun with it. It's basketball. It's a game. Oh, totally. I mean, like, I'm all for having fun with your jerseys. I think those just look, that's it's just, you missed. You know, like, it, it's funny. I'm I'm not, like, walking down the runway, but I'm also, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, like, I don't need to be helped getting dressed either. But, you know, like, I admit, this is, I come from a different era. Hey, what are you talking about? I see your face when I said that. No, I'm just thinking of the Anthony Davis thing of like needing help to get dressed. That's why he wore the <laughs> That's All Folks shirt. He's like, I was laid out on a bed for me, so I wore it. And it was like, do, right, do you right, have right, control right, right. over this? Well, <laughs> um, no, I get it. I get it. And it, it is. This very much beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And everybody, all you 90s kids, I think that's fine. I get it. I am an 80s guy. I grew up, I cut my teeth on... You know, when I was when I was 10 years old is when Larry Bird was starting to win championships. So my era of the NBA was a certain thing. And then all of a sudden, and this might be why I hate these jerseys so much. Everything was great. I loved the 80s basketball. I, I mean, obviously, just like people who loved the 90s, you have this affinity for it. And then all of a sudden in the 90s, the basketball started to get bad. And at the same time, the basketball started to get bad. They changed all of these uniforms to these crazy things. And I was like, well, I now associate these with the, you know, Pat Riley, um, Stan, I mean, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, Heat Knicks that were going to be like the, the 80 to 75 finals. Like I always said, if I die and go to hell, there's going to be a constant loop of Marv Albert saying, the final for Madison Square Garden, <laughs> 82 to 80 New York Knicks. I'm like, ah, make it stop. And, and these teams are wearing these god-awful weird colors with big weird logos. And I was like, I just associated the whole thing with being bad. That's fair. It's just, it's so 90s and I love it. That era's got a name. It's called the Rad Era, which is kind of a, a strange name for it. But it was like, I'm a big comic book guy too. And that's when they made like all of the comic book characters like way too beefy to the point where like the proportions were like just not realistic. And then Rob Liefeld, who created Deadpool, literally just put like pouches everywhere to make them look like edgy and carry all their stuff in. And it's just like so emblematic of that era. <laughs> that I absolutely love it. So I love these. So when I, I, so I research, I did some research for this segment, which is like not a segment you need to do research for, but I did it cause I'm a consummate professional here. Yeah. Right. So I pulled like the history of the Detroit Pistons logos. I would also love to see this brought back because and you, you almost need to be on YouTube if it, to see this, but it's one of their original logos from when they were in Fort Wayne and called the Zollner Pistons for a piston company, and they just happened to move to Detroit and had the most perfect name for it. This dude, this dude right here, the uh, 
it's like the the Michelin man, right? The Stay Puff man, but just made out of pistons, except he's got human hands on this thing. <laughs> human hands. He it looks like a bunch of paint cans, but yeah, pistons, that's what it looks like. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um he's a very angry robot with human hands. And yeah, and, and the elbows the connect. So like the hands come out, out of that like wrist forearm piston. And see yeah. the one on, on the and left side. It's too. He's got human feet. He's, he's got shoes, so there's probably toes or something in there. It's just I, I yeah. would love for them to bring this back. Would we agree that this would be fun I for would, a game? Uh, now that now that I would love. I would love to get the old like forties and fifties logo have you seen what the the like the old celtic shamrock uh, uh uh leprechaun logo is yeah. like yeah like the when he's like jumping it looks like he's like squatting it, it's there those were those were the days when all of the logos were drawn freehand yeah pretty much there, there's no like computer a a animation or anything like that to help out that's when that's the heyday of logos that's when logos were really at their best you are the oldest man here ever on Locked On NBA. Have some fun with it. Give me a horse that's got some like riding with fire coming out of it. Yeah, totally. Make if it's the Detroit Pistons, make the like the leg up to the body, like the 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 part of the piston, and that like at the top you have that paint can looking thing, and just make it a piston, like. You know, why not do that? If you want to have fun with it, yeah, go ahead and have fun with it. But like those those 90s uniforms are just not good. good. Explore the studio space. I'm all for it. And hey, <laughs> this is coming from Celtics guy. And this the, the Celtics are Celtics uniform designers are so handcuffed because they're so afraid of breaking tradition that there's only like two or three schemes like I've been pushing for let's get let's get something going with Boston. Let's do something fun. You use those city jerseys to have some fun with it. I've so I've I've been doing some digging on like how teams pick the uniforms and how their alternates get made. And I've gotten some like concepts sent to me from people for like various teams that like never see the light of day. And it's kind of interesting that like this is what they end up going with. And they consider this almost like safe compared to some of the crazy things that they can do. And then it's like it's usually Nike who ends up picking them and it's not the team. And Nike just wants to be kind of like safe with this all in the team, like basically sends them like dream boards, like vision boards of like we could see a concept like this and then nike creates it and then nike's like no we're not going to do this thing that we just completely made for you because that's totally crazy but there's one day someone will release a book that has all of the unused ideas and it's going to be one of the more like interesting kind of fun things i bet you there are tons of awesome designs in there that people will be like oh my god they should do that look we're doing this the red Sox are playing right now in in they're playing in blue and yellow boston marathon themed uniforms like and this is the boston red sox which are red and white and blue like the celtics should absolutely try that you know have fun with it so i i'm all for having fun i just don't think these pistons throwbacks are are where it's at fair enough you, you think fake i think real maybe the the listeners the viewers here are gonna settle the tie here let us know in the comments down below or on twitter at john underscore corrales tell me tell him he's wrong and you can tell me i'm right at nola jake so coming up next here in today's episode a locked on nba 
Uh, Colin Sexton's got to got to do something, and he might have to make a pretty hard decision. So we'll get back to actual basketball talk that I can tell John is really excited about as he hits his mic right there. Um, coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On NBA. <laughs> and thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all. Different hosts breaking down the league, the biggest stories. Even when there's nothing going on, we find a way to do it because there's always something to talk about when it comes to the NBA. I thought this one was pretty interesting, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Colin Sexton, he's probably, and I think you'd agree with this, right? Like the biggest unnamed, like kind of name out there that's unsigned, like by far, right? You know, two years ago, I thought he was almost like a lock to be near an all NBA guy. I thought he was like a top 20 player for a little bit with some of the scoring that he did. Then the injury happened last year and it just going into restricted free agency. That's a rough spot to be in. So there's been a report out there. I saw that the Cleveland Cavaliers offered him a three-year deal for a total of $40 million dollars. Isn't wonderful if you're him, given where he was, but it also now makes you wonder if he just needs to play on the qualifying offer and kind of have like a prove it season. And at what point is it worth giving up that 40 million guaranteed when you look at it as an average of 13.3 million dollars? For a guy of his level in a sal- in a in a situation where the salary cap's only going to be going up and we're due for a big spike in that soon, locking in at three years 13 million doesn't seem great. Yeah, so I don't his qualifying offer 7.2 million. So I feel like if there was ever a person to take the qualifying offer, I think Sexton might be in that position. Throwing out the like the conversation that Zion Williamson was having, you know, like the, the, where where the qualifying offer is high enough where someone could take it and force force a team's hand. I think in a situation where restricted free agency is a, a kind of a well, I mean, restrictive, uh, for lack of a better term, but it's good job so, there, buddy. It's so it's so much and I just couldn't ha- I had nowhere to go and that just word just stuck in my head. It's so in the team's favor and at this point the market has dried up. You are when you're when you still have something to prove, then why not? It's it's still seven million dollars. You are taking a risk that maybe there's you're not going to be the same. Maybe you're taking a risk that the situation in Cleveland is not going to work. But I think a season to prove not only that he's who he used to be and more that he can be the good soldier and play, you know, do whatever the team needs and not raise any, any kind of fuss to go out there and, and to show other teams that I'm okay. I'm okay. I've, I'm, I have got the right attitude. I think signing the qualifying offer, entering unrestricted free agency, even if he wants to stay with Cleveland, they can yeah. always resign him next year, taking that year, going out there, and especially in a year where I think a lot more teams are going to have cap space next year, go out there, show what you got. He could end up he could end up cashing in uh, if he has a decent season. And even if the numbers aren't quite there, if he shows that he's playing well alongside these other guys in the in the Cavaliers, you know, build on what they did last year and stay healthy and actually maybe make 
the you know the middle of the East uh, playoff, uh, you know, a run through through that part of the the East, then I say I say go for it. I say take the chance, bet on yourself, and go for it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That feels like what he should do, right? You know, if you look at his sophomore and junior seasons, second and third year in the league here, he averaged 22 and a half points per game on almost 38% shooting, 3.6 assists and a steal per game. Like those are really good numbers and he's only going to be 24 next year. So this is a guy that could get paid big time, right? Like 13 million a year is a lot of money, certainly. But when you look at it and what he could be earning and what some of these other contracts have been given out, it's almost like peanuts in comparison. And right now it feels like you don't actually, if you can avoid it and you feel you know confident in your level of play, don't want to lock into like a four-year deal, a five-year deal right now that if the cap does spike in like two years, you're locked in and all of a sudden you're really underpaid compared to other people who are getting deals. So this allows him to make the most money. And, you know, as you said, what his, his qualifying offer is 7.6 compared to the 13.3 he'd make next year. It's about half of that. So it's still a lot of money and it seems like kind of the betting on yourself is the way to go. You know what? The Spurs have cap space right now. Maybe the Magic do too. There's one other team I'm blanking on which one they are. I don't think he wants to end up on either of those two teams, right? Like that doesn't probably seem like a situation you want to go to. So bet on yourself, play really well, show you fit as I, I think that's a good idea for him there. And then just make some more money the next couple of years after that. Yeah, Spurs, Magic, and Indiana, I think, are the three teams. Yeah, that's, those are the – Indiana for sure, Spurs for sure. Maybe the Magic don't, but I knew there were at least two. Yeah. So, so yeah, look, you're, you're, you're giving up, like you said, half. So you got you to gotta hope you can make that $7 million up some other way. But if you play well, you have incentive, right? You have incentive to do that. So I, I, I think the, Sexton the f- is – go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, like the 40 that they're offering him, if it's four, if it's three years, 40 million, like that's what he was almost going to be paid per season on a max deal if he had stayed healthy. Like when you look at it like that, right, three years is giving you what one year could have been like, God, that just the math doesn't seem like it's working out in his in the way that he would go for it. Yeah. I, I, so I think, look, what's the worst case scenario here? Well, the worst case scenario is that you get hurt again and you're you're kind of you're kind of done. Um, If you play kind of like how you've been playing there's there's a market for you out there it's just not what it used to be it's it's that three years 40 it's you're, you're looking at 13 12 13 million dollars a year and and maybe maybe sexton isn't that same guy that we thought he might be or you go out you prove yourself you go maybe you make 20 million a year and you get yep. three years 60 million and if you do that you've made up your seven million that you lost plus some so like I said, I, I, I have nothing. I have nothing against the guy betting against betting on himself, and you know, I, I like, I like Sexton. He obviously has flaws, but I remember at the end of the season, a couple of seasons ago, when he got ejected, uh, fouled out, or ejected. I forget where it was. It was the last game of the season, and he just sat there in the tunnel. He couldn't go all the way back. He sat in the tunnel and just kind of watched the game from afar. And he just had this look in his eyes like he just couldn't believe that this was going to be the end of his season. Something about that moment, I was like, man, that dude is a competitor. And he he doesn't have a lot to learn. He does have a lot to add to his game for sure. He can't just be the scorer. He's got to be able to learn to play defense. He's got to be a better distributor. All of that stuff that, that people have been saying about him. But I think somewhere inside there is a competitor that 
if he if he stays healthy and has the right guidance, I think he I think he can bet on himself and win. No, I don't disagree with that. You know, and again, I like him as a scorer. And like he he the injury sucks, right? But he could end up having kind of like a Victor Oladipo type career, maybe. You know, where maybe he gets a contract, makes some money. The injury kind of like takes some of that away from him, but he still carves out a role. And then once you kind of prove you're healthy, you kind of prove that you're like a, an M, a, an MLE kind of guy and you start making money that way. And it ends up being a, a good career, right? Victor Oladipo has made $108 million so far in his career. Like there's still money to be made there for Colin Sexton, even with this injury, even if it hasn't gone kind of like he hope. And if he wants to get that, yeah, kind of bet on yourself, take that qualifying offer and then go out and play. As you said, you can always re-sign with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but he's kind of like the last piece of like housekeeping it feels like when it comes to free agency and like what needs to happen this offseason before we start moving on to training camp and it just seems like every day it's going to end up being more and more he's going to end up playing on that qualifying offer because if he liked this deal he'd have taken it by now and i don't know if indiana wants to offer it to him i don't think the the spurs want to offer him money either so it just kind of seems like this is how it's going to end up and that's how Locked On NBA is going to end up this Wednesday. So that's going to do it for the Locked On NBA podcast. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm Grandpa John Corrales, at John <laughs> underscore Corrales on Twitter. I am the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you all for listening. It's been the Locked On NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we'll see you all next week.